Welcome to Radio by Jack Roberts. It is our mission to bring you inspired conversations with the world's inspired minds. We host wide-ranging discussions on business, entrepreneurship, health, wellness, mindset, and much more. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Our guests today are Joey, Babs, and Ben from Mandy Money. Mandy is your money smart friend answering all your big, small, or simply curious money questions in delicious bite-sized form. Team, welcome to radio. Thanks, Jack. Thank you for having Happy us, Jack. Um, it's our first episode where we have three people on at once. Um, so we're going to try and manage the logistics of this and, um, and, and work through about an hour of, like we said earlier, delicious money-focused um, content. Um, team, take me back to your first thoughts of Mandy. What was the moment that catalyzed um, all of you to head on this journey together? I think um, I'll take that, Jack. I'm Babs, by the way, for everyone listening. Um, back to the first day, I think it was kind of a, a slow realisation where um, we've all got, um, you know, friends that we hang out with and talk about um, things with. And, you know, a lot of our friends are, are very clever people um there's a broad range of people doing everything from science to international studies to law to global studies to arts to you know a wide range of disciplines yet we were finding that everyone was kind of relying on us to answer all their money questions and and no one really had a grasp on any you know really basic financial concepts um and that was really surprising for us given you know these extremely intellectual people that were missing this massively key piece of um, basic knowledge. So it was kind of that realisation that everyone um, is really in need of, of kind of improvement in that space and, and needs a money smart friend to rely on and ask those questions. Um, and so that's, I guess, where the idea for, for Mandy as a money smart friend um, came about. And Mandy itself stands for money and you? correct yep yes um why did you decide that personal finance was such an important topic to educate people on hey guys uh it's joey here i might take this one um we are all commerce students and over our degree have all formed an appreciation for the field of knowledge and for its practical importance um, and, and through discussions we were having, we started to really realize that, yeah, as, as Babs mentioned, a few of our friends and the people we knew probably weren't as comfortable um, with these topics and these issues as we were. And, and since we really appreciated that having an understanding of economics is important to, under, to understand the wider world and understanding how financial markets work a little bit to drive business and company success, um, are, are topics that are applicable in, in a wide range of disciplines. Uh, we, we really thought that it would be important to try create this platform and create this product that can make learning about these concepts uh, available and fun. Um, and so we just we saw that there was this opportunity to create a product that could provide this education on something that's important to us and that we thought would provide a lot of benefit to people we knew. Um, because, because they're concepts that really underlie 
so much of the societal organisation within which yeah. we live. There's this, um, you know, ev- everyone deals with money. There's not a single person that doesn't um, at some point deal with money or have their own money to look after. Um, and so it's something that very literally affects everyone and there's knowledge that everyone can benefit from and, and should, uh, should be benefiting from. Obviously, Mandy fills a little bit of a, a gap in the market, which is why, well, personally, I think it's such a great idea. Um, particularly in in the US at the moment, um, there's a lot of the college institutions and universities are being attacked for their fees and, and huge volumes of debt they're leaving many students in. Um, financial literacy is something that is not widely taught by these formal education uh, providers. Is this something that is to the detriment or to the benefit of students? Hey everyone, Ben here. Um, I completely think that this is to the detriment of students because even just with the answers given by Babs and Joey, we do really think that financial literacy is just such an important topic. The the difference that investing wisely versus foolishly or saving well versus splurge spending has a real impact upon, upon your livelihood. Um, and so because of that, we, we do see that there should be a you know more increased effort amongst institutions to teach these topics but then again I guess the benefit of it being not is that it leaves the opportunity open for people like us who are in the circumstances of having known this knowledge and being amongst the demographic of the people that you know we are looking to teach that the we see it as a really good opportunity to to take that on ourselves. I think it's a very good answer Ben um just to just to follow on, I guess, a little bit, um, and I don't, don't mean to put you on the spot at all, but do you think that it's something that would fit well with, if, if it was adopted by sort of schools or, or universities, do you think it's something that would fit well um, as part of the curriculum, or do you really think that sort of the opportunity you've seen with Mandy is really the best way to, um, best way to address financial literacy? Yeah, I think, I think both ways. It's very much something that can incorporate well into into institutions because of the fact that if you take our commerce degree, for example, that's exactly what is being taught. So it's definitely something that can be can be taught that way. But what we've really tried to do with Mandy is focus more upon that that incidental learning and the relevant and being relevant to what's in the news and what people are interested in. Because to, to go back to our analogy of being the money smart friend, that when I'm asked a question by my non-commerce friends, let's call them, um, there are something that's prompted by something that's headline news like Virgin Australia going into voluntary administration or why the exchange rate is falling because of trade tensions with China or the US. That's when they ask me these questions. Um, they don't go out of their way seeking a learning opportunity to run a 12-week course at uni or something. They want a quick, sharp answer that gets straight to the point and is something that they can understand. And so that's why we see Mandy as being probably better suited, but not the only solution to these problems. There's um there's two key issues with financial education, why it's been such a struggle for um, governments and uh, schools and universities around the world, is that the first of these problems is that financial education isn't sexy, it's not fun, it's not something that people go out of their way to look for. Um, and the second of these issues is that financial education is only successful or impactful if it's 
in if it's exactly relevant to the nth degree so if it's within the second of that person needing that information um they will absorb it if it's not it doesn't um it's not something that they that they take in or um take into consideration so it's kind of kind of that's that's where mandy really has its diff- differentiating point is that um differentiating point is that it is we are making these concepts uh fun and a little bit uh cheeky and a little bit more sexy than traditional education um spicy if you will even and <laughs> the um and we're also trying to make things timely so when you know so that this education and these pieces of key knowledge are there when people need them um and that's i guess the, the crux of of what mandy is is trying to do perhaps i'm not going to pick you out here but you're probably the only one uh probably the only one on this <laughs> podcast that can um probably give a an appropriate answer to the to this question um yeah. in I guess worldwide, if we look at education statistics and literacy rates and all of these elements, um, the more that we educate, um, the, the more that we educate women in society, um, sort of, I guess, coming out of, well, what we can really, really phrase as the Stone Age, which is really up to anything basically post-World War II. Um, but the more women we've seen educated, the more women we see in the workforce, um, we're seeing some tremendous outcomes in, in society, I should say, um, some really, really good things um, coming of this, do you think that yeah. um, I guess financial literacy, in some senses, um, it's probably traditionally been like the the domain of the husband or something like that, and it's something that really isn't um, probably spoken about spoken about enough for young women about being able to set themselves up to have financial independence um, and these things separate of um, you know prospectively a relationship or a marriage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's always been predominantly something that you associate when you talk about financial literacy that you associate with uh, males uh, you know whether that's just because of the history of, of where kind of males gravitate to um, from a job perspective or it's whether that's because they deal with the finances or they're the breadwinners so they get to deal with the money there's you know there's the countless infinite factors that kind of go into that um, but what there's it's it's interesting and it always um we went through this uh, big phase of market research where we were talking um we were interviewing people and asking um them you know where did you learn their, your financial basics and we had people going oh um you know like my my dad taught it to me or my dad never taught me and there's two problems here is first of all why that person why that girl wasn't taught it that's the first problem and the second problem that kind of goes back even further is that why it wasn't necessarily expected of the mum to be able to teach that girl or that child that education so it's a bit of a cycle where and I think it's where we're definitely uh, there's definitely movement in the space and we're definitely kind of trying to break that um, and you can see that with lots of uh, kind of female focused um, education sites and advice um, platforms popping up all over the place um, that there is definitely movement in that but I think it comes down to um, financial to, to confidence rather than literacy 
um, there's a very interesting study regarding um, gender imbalances regarding confidence surrounding these topics. So it's definitely uh, something that um, is, is very interesting to look at from a gender perspective. But when it comes to Mandy, we believe that, you know, there's the literacy gap is across across all genders, um, not just females, but it is definitely something that uh, I personally am quite passionate about, um, given that I wasn't um, particularly taught these topics um, explicitly um, and found that my male friends often knew a lot more about these topics when my curiosity was equally as strong as say theirs mm. were. So it's, I think it's very different for everyone, but um, yeah. <laughs> I think it's, yeah, I think it's a great answer. Um, can I, just add, I guess to touch on, yeah. can I just add on top of that answer? We, we really appreciate that there are like these institutionalized gender relationships with money. And so the barrier to interaction with these money pages and financial literacy pages are normally a little bit higher for females. And I, I guess that almost informed Mandy's positioning and branding um, in the sense that Mandy is a female name and we use colors that maybe appeal to females a little bit more to really encourage that interaction with the page um, to, to, to help bridge that gap. I think it's a great response um, as well from a marketing perspective, because it's obviously really important. It's great to see that you've um, considered something, which I think most of us would consider is, you know, very, very important. Um, I guess to touch on a couple of things in both of your responses, um, more around institutionalized, um, I guess, institutionalized financial literacy and, um, and males probably tending to head, down those sort of career paths. Um, there's sort of five big personality traits that we refer to in psychology, um, openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Um, and without explaining every single one of them what they mean, basically women are um, typically higher in agreeableness um, and men are typically higher in uh, conscientiousness. And conscientiousness typically leads to very good um, performance in relatively corporate um, structures. So mm. agreeableness tends to lead towards more creative outcomes. So women can often be much better entrepreneurs, um, but men are typically um, within our society and the way it's been structured in the last, you know, thousand years um, tend to work their way up the corporate ladder a little bit better because they tend to sit down um, and be able to maybe push through the really boring, um, the really boring topics and do a job just because it knows, you know, just because they know it needs to be done. These things being said, I think it doesn't detract in any way from the value that um, that financial literacy has to everyone. And I think it's, you know, I, I think it's really honourable, firstly, um, that you're addressing it and that you've approached it to make it accessible to females um, with, you know, with brand and, and the language and the tone of voice and everything that you've done on that front. Um, and you know, just firstly being aware of it, I guess, as, as a general sense, because I think, well, I know this from from my university experience as well in, in commerce classes, it's probably 75% of the class are male. Um, whereas you go to some other classes, psychology is a good, a good example. You go take a psychology class and 75% of the class will be female. Yeah. Um, and I think that as much as we should be teaching young men about psychology, we should also be, you know, educating, we should be educating everyone to a, a baseline level and everything. So, 
um, I think you've you know, touched on some great points in the answer and it's really good that it's something that you, I guess, addressed from a core level with, um, with Mandy and the brand. Yeah, I think it's about um, ultimately getting, getting uh, females in particular, um, getting their confidence up to be able to participate in conversations about money, um, which kind of levels the, the playing field. Once that mm. confidence there, the literacy just flows. Um, yeah. There's a really interesting stat. I'm not sure if you guys are across it, but um, it's to do with a little bit of a dark topic while we're talking about money, but um, <laughs> a, a, a lot of females feel trapped in situations where there's um, domestic violence because of the financial implications of leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I personally, for me, I think it's one of the biggest reasons why we should educate um, educate females because unfortunately, fortunately as humans, we are predisposed to making bad choices often in relationships and, you know, our interpersonal mm. skills aren't always the best. But one thing we can obviously do is, is give ourselves the option to leave. And if we don't have the, the education or the ability to, to leave, then it leaves, you know, women and, you know, probably men in some cases as well, um, but more predominantly women in some, in some awful situations one of the reasons I think financial literacy is so important. Yeah, I think um, education as as a whole, what you touch on is education is extremely empowering. And in that particular situation, financial um, education cannot be underestimated in, in how powerful it is. So Mandy's been developed on a Instagram platform um, to start with. You're now expanding into into a website. Um, what does the future hold for Mandy as far as financial literacy products um, and, and offerings for the market? Sure. Um, I'll take this one if that's all right. Uh, we, we see that there's a number of different growth avenues uh, by which we can pursue. And I guess core to our decisions around the growth will be understanding how we can connect with as many uh, teenagers, adolescents, and young people as possible in a way that allows them to really uh, enhance their understanding. And so originally we thought that would be best through Instagram because it's a place where a lot of young people reside. And we're, we're certainly seeing that we can obtain good engagement on Instagram um, because it's a place where you can post fun content and people can interact with it incidentally. Moving forward, as you mentioned, we are going to look towards a website so that we can store a lot of the information um, in in almost a catalogue so that people can uh, find the information they're looking for just by searching for it. But beyond that, we we certainly want to explore a number of different, I guess, content distribution channels. Um, One that we're interested in and we've discussed with you before, Jack, is, is TikTok because it would allow us to connect with a younger audience, um, and then looking beyond that, potentially even running running workshops um, in different schools or universities to allow that other another form of education or engagement is something we would be interested in. Um, so, so, I love that. I, I think workshops are a great idea. It, essentially, if we continue to discuss that analogy, as Mandy is the money smart friend. I guess we want to position ourselves in any place where young people would need to interact with a friend to ask these sort of questions. Mm. 
I like that as well because it does take away the um, the element of sort of asking someone that's significantly older or almost feeling like you're asking a silly question if you don't know the answer, um, you know, positioning it as a friend. And then I think working back, you know, workshops through school and obviously we've discussed TikTok in, in some length. I think it's obviously a great platform um, and it will only age up and, and get older as well. All the 12-year-olds that are on there doing their dances um, will eventually... Well, they've probably all got credit cards already anyway because that's <laughs> how the world works now. But, um, uh, but yeah, they, they will obviously age up and eventually be buying a house. So I think all of those, all the things are discussed are, are excellent in, in that sense. Um, and I love the idea of making it sort of searchable as well so someone can go back and if they're looking for some general sort of they're thinking about investing in stocks for the first time, they can jump on the website and search all of your articles about the stock market and just start to get a feel as well. I think that's probably the hardest thing about financial literacy is sometimes finding everything in, in one place. You often have that's to cool. yeah, traverse the whole internet to find, um, sort of find what you're looking for. Uh, totally. And, and Instagram's a really good channel for distributing content, but once it appears, and then disappears from people's feeds, it's really fine, difficult to search for what you're looking for. And so I guess the website would just provide a platform where we can categorize the information that has previously been produced. Mm. Um, so I've obviously seen the sort of the brand language and the development over on the Instagram. Um, you've got quite a unique tone of voice at Mandy. Could you take me through how you've developed the brand language to achieve maximum impact with the younger audience that is your target? Yeah, I think um, as I as I mentioned before, the one of the problems with financial education has always been that it's been a bit boring and not something that's particularly engaging. And that I think is at the heart of the branding is we want to push the boundaries a little bit, um, and not and it's not as if it's this you know hugely cutting edge. Um, brand voice as, as a brand but in the financial education space there, there is nothing quite like it quite as cheeky and a little bit um, something that you probably wouldn't associate with I mean I think we always have a laugh when we use the hashtag spicy um, and it's been in, in the last few days we've had a few posts with that hashtag and it's not something you really associate with with personal finance very often and I think it um, it's it's interesting, right? I, I had this thought, um, and this is the first time I've voiced this aloud, so it's <laughs> sound a bit crazy. But um, basically, next to my bed, I've got two drawers. I've got um, my one drawer that I put all my kind of like it's got my it's got like my meds and tissues and all the boring stuff, and then I've got my another drawer that's got my jewelry and all my pretty things and and in the bottom drawer normally I've got all my kind of techie headphones charges and um all the all the rest of it right and then I recently got a pair of airpods um I was a bit late to the train but on 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 board that train but we did get airpods eventually I'm wearing them right now um and I went to take my airpods off and I went to put them uh in one of these drawers and now usually I put my headphones in in the in the bottom drawer but I naturally went and put my headphones in the drawer with all my jewelry and my um, sunglasses and all the things I kind of valued and I thought that was a really interesting 
um, concept that what Apple's done, and I don't think it's a very big secret, but they've basically turned something that is traditionally quite boring into, and they've kind of opened another drawer, opened another category and, and transitioned into that. And that's why I think Apple is so successful is because they've kind of taken something which fundamentally in everyone's, from everyone's perspective is one thing and put it to say, um, you know, to use a language, put it in into a different drawer. Um, and I think that's what we're trying to do for Mandy. And I think what is being done for Mandy, what is has been achieved to a certain extent, um, is that it's being taken from the boring financial literacy, super tax, whatever drawer, and being put into this, hey, I actually really want to interact with, um, you know, this is a cool, funky, we use cool music we use cool graphics we use cool colors we use cool language stuff that's on trend so people gravitate towards it because it's cool and kind of informative as well it's that whole incidental learning so they're swiping because they like the graphics but they don't even realize it that they're learning something um so that's uh, i guess where the inspiration comes from uh, trying to basically fit our brand into a territory that's quite um I think I can quite confidently say is unexplored um by other financial mm. literacy um types of platforms or <laughs> offerings <laughs> um yeah I'm sorry if that sounded a little no bit, I think the airpods analogy is um, great a little bit out of left field I loved it <laughs> it was just this no I think yeah. that if you look at what Apple did with the airpods obviously they created a cultural phenomenon and in some senses they also um, there was a little bit of probably classism there as well, where there became this sort of social media thing about like people with AirPods versus people not with AirPods, um, which they rode the full extent yeah. of. And they never, I guess, really published any media trying to, I think they would have undermined themselves if they'd come out with like a campaign being like AirPods are for everyone. And then had like, you know, people from every cultural background wearing AirPods or something like they actually sort of played the exclusivity card and it worked quite well for them. Um, but then Louis Vuitton went and released a set of wireless headphones like maybe three to six months afterwards at a you know ridiculous price point. But I think Apple really paved the way for headphones to sort of move away from a, a high-end piece of tech in, in some instances like with Bose or um, you know, like Beats by Dre, Bose and like Sennheiser. They're obviously associated with high-end audio, but they're not really luxury products. And, and Apple sort of bridged that gap. I think it's a great analogy with what you're doing with um, with Mandy. Yeah, and, and I think they, yeah, Apple does that with, um, you know, with, with even, yeah, all their products. <laughs> you wouldn't, you know, now you wouldn't ever in a, um, you know, when you're doing an open home or a styling shoot for an office, you wouldn't ever leave your Dell <laughs> out on the front there. But you want to leave your MacBook out there. So I know Joey's your job. No, well, it's, it's really funny though because I at a job that I when I, I got given a computer, my first job that I I sort of got uh, my first serious job, they gave me a MacBook Pro um, when I started, and and that was nice. And then when I left that job and I went to what I thought at the time was a better job, they gave me like an HP. Um, you know, some, some computer. But the thing that really interests me about it was that this computer had um, the speakers were made by Beats by Dre. And it was like the HP had gone out and done this collaboration with another brand that has a bit of street cred 
to try and make their products cool again. Um, and I, I think it really speaks. I was going to yeah. ask you a funny, a, a sort of a funny question. Have you used any words yet on Mandy that are even like um, probably a little bit generationally incorrect for yourselves as well? Like you're sort of having to stay ahead of the trend and like use all the, all the trendy words, like when lit first became a thing and now um, like spices sort of quite a big thing in meme culture and there's like the stonks meme and things like that um how are you finding like staying ahead of the trends and making sure that you're sort of the trendy financial page not the three-week-old financial page i one thing i might add is that sometimes ben and i feel behind the trend even from the words that are being posted onto the mandy page uh, bad bad <laughs> days about a month or two in front of us and so we, we learn we learn what the trends are just through her tone of voice and her language. Um, it's it's um, interesting though because so I'm we're all I'm 22. Um, ben I'm and Joey, you guys are also what? I'm 20. Yeah, you're a baby, Ben. Oh, really? <laughs> there you go. We've been over this. <laughs> You learn new things every day, hey? Um, and I've got a little brother called Christian. He is in year 12. Um, and I feel like a grandma when I talk to him. I honestly feel very, very uncool. Um, and, you know, it feels like we're already in a different generation. And I kind of understand how um, parents feel when you talk to them because it's, it is. It's there's new language coming out and new social conventions and new. There's just it's so it's so such a fast moving space and I think the only way to kind of keep on top of it is to keep in touch with these young people and get them to kind of be part of that content designing stage. Um, but it is it is really hard because something that we think is cool. Um, we've found once or twice in posts that we've done, we've had people reach out and be like, that is so, you know, that's such an old meme or that's such a, that's not funny and anymore. That's harsh as well. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> reach out and you're like, you know, you're, you're six months behind on your memes. <laughs> Apparently strong. And you're like, guys, I'm just trying to help you consolidate your super accounts. Like, it's important. <laughs> yeah. That's and and that's the thing, right? We could probably bring out the same content every six months and just put a different meme on it, and it'll be new again. It's, it's <laughs> one interesting thing I learned from um, a small marketing guy um, that I I caught up with. I actually met the guy on LinkedIn, um, and and he writes, he basically writes businesses three hundred and sixty five um, evergreen posts and like sends it to them in a word document. Um, and he specializes in LinkedIn growth. Um, and they basically just have the same 365 posts and they just post them on the same day the next year. Um, and they like, they still kill it because the content's just evergreen. Um, so I think there's a lot of merit. There's a lot of merit in that as well. And it's sort of, you don't have to reinvent the wheel with a lot of the stuff you're talking about because you just keep it basic and keep to the, the fundamentals. Yeah. Um, that's really what people need to know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's um, and and that'll be an interesting thing. I I don't think, I don't think you can run out of topics, but there are only so many basic financial, personal finance topics within kind of our scope that we can really focus on, and so it'll 
our next challenge will be how to kind of take, you know, six months worth of content, which covers probably a very wide range of personal finance topics and how do we reinvent those as easily as possible to to be relevant and, you know, as we were talk- saying before, to, to stay engaging and fun and relevant to what's going on in the news and what's going on in people's lives. So that'll be our next challenge. Um, we might have a second again then. Yeah, I think are. it's a huge challenge. <laughs> I, like I'm having enough of a challenge just trying to um, work out a, a TikTok strategy for myself, let alone like it's so there's so many things that you can cover once you start getting into like the, the younger generation, you're trying to simply comprehend everything that's coming out, but then also adapting to the trends and things are moving so fast. It's, it's not a, um, it's not a small challenge that you have on your hands by any means. Um, but you did touch on in there sort of, um, I guess the core personal finance discussions that you've been having on the Instagram um, with your audience what are three personal finance tips um, you can take our audience on the podcast through? Yeah, sure. I might, I might go first this time. Um, I, a tip I really like to share with everyone is how important it is to stay on top of the news, whether that's just you know, the general world news or whether that's the finance and business news. I think having a perspective of, what's going on in the world and how that affects you and how that affects your investments and your savings and your job and what you can spend and how much a house is going to cost and all these relevant points to you um, can give you just such a more informed perspective to make those decisions. And then even on top of that, the, the, the baseline knowledge it gives you to engage in some of these conversations with other people about, about these sections of news and what's going on in the world um, at least I've found personally can get you can get you a fair way in life, even in just a conversation. In fact, um, and yeah, that, that's definitely one one tip that I have, um, and I guess I can pass on to Mads after this is around the power of compounding. Um, uh, I, I saw a few different infographics um, about six months to a year ago, and I really started to appreciate how when you're saving from a young age and investing and earning some sort of return on those savings, how your wealth can grow over time and compound um, to quite a large number uh, for your retirement or for later in life. And so one tip that I have, um, I guess, is save from a young age and understand the power of compounding and therefore um, the benefits that can arise through investing and generating a return on your wealth. Um, I think my tip, and this is something I'm actually quite passionate about, and it's actually quite pertinently relevant with everything that's going on in the world. And everyone, um, everyone, a lot, not everyone, a lot of people are losing their main income stream, um, and which is forcing a lot of people to kind of turn to that gig economy, uh, whether that's freelancing or being on the books of an agency being a contractor me personally I switched from an employment model to a contracting model uh, within the same company that I worked for um, about a year ago um, due to a number of certain personal preferences surrounding work flexibility and and whatnot Um, but I think something that is really really important to realize that, that as a contractor 
your legal the legalities around what you get paid in terms of super and tax and whatnot are clearly different so uh, two really key examples uh, are you're not taxed upfront you have to pay a tax bill at the end of the year and the second of these is when you're a contractor um, for the most part um, I've I mean don't take this for gospel but from from what I understand um, and what in my situation, my uh, the person paying me doesn't contribute to my super. So basically they're two big things that two massive benefits that I've given up um, in exchange for flexibility and other things that come with a contracting model. And something that you have to understand is that when you do switch over to being a contractor or being a freelancer or working in the gig economy is that your hourly rate, if that's what you choose to be paid by, needs to reflect those um, those different payment styles. So the kind of the, what a broad indication is, and this is different for everyone, is that your hourly rate say needs to go up by about twenty five to thirty five percent to compensate for the fact that you're not getting paid super, um, they're not paying that tax for you, not that that necessarily needs to be taken in with that hourly, um, the fact that you're not getting paid sick days, you're not getting paid uh, annual leave days. So basically if you're not working, you're not getting paid and your hourly or your salary needs to reflect all the money that you're missing out from from an employee benefits perspective. I think that's something that a lot of people don't do is because say you're getting paid 25 bucks an hour at a a cafe and then you switch over to do uh, freelancing graphic design, they're still charging $25 an hour, yet they're missing out on a huge amount of benefits like the super and um, sick leave and, and annual leave. So that's, I guess, one thing with everyone with a lot of people going into that gig economy field is to keep in mind that your hourly or what you charge people for your services needs to to reflect um i guess that structure that hourly structure i think that's a good takeaway 25 to 35 percent is quite easy for people people to remember but you are exactly right um compounding is a great one as well um, there's a lot of those, um, yeah, Joey, there's a lot of those infographics when you look through the internet of like, oh, this person invested like $200 a month at like 15 and now he's worth like whatever it is. And it's like ridiculous um, when they're, when they're 50. Um, so all of those things are relevant, but obviously people can get, um, you know, sucked into, I guess, maybe more consumerist um, mindsets and things like that um, and get sort of drawn down the rabbit hole of needing the new shoes or, the new phone or whatever it is, um, and they forget about they sort of forget about savings. You guys had a pretty good um, post the other day about um, uh, lifestyle inflation, which is something that I've definitely experienced in my life. Um, when you go from buying like <laughs> uh, you go from buying like the cheapest um, the cheapest thing you possibly can find in like a store to then buying like designer products or something like that. Um, and you're not really thinking about at the end of the day, how th- th- your income might've increased, but your savings should also increase proportionately to that as well. Um, that was something that I learned from, well, learned from experience, but uh, Mandy reinforced to me the other day. Um, what were we on financial tips? 
Um, if I could give people one financial tip, what would it be? Uh, it would probably be um, start a side hustle. Um, I would actually love to do this with one of you guys. We could do a video. Um, but one of the things that I did, um, what I've done this year, um, and it's actually made me enough money to go on holiday. Not that I can really go anywhere at the moment <laughs> because of uh, because of lockdowns. Um, but I've this year to date, I've made about two and a half grand from buying people's junk at garage sales and selling it on eBay. Um, and that's amongst, I do like a whole heap of other really? stuff as well. It's not, not that I just have heaps of time on my hands, um, but it's something I actually really enjoy doing because you can walk in. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's something that I would really recommend to people. There's always an alternative income stream out there. So if you've got a job at, I'm trying to think of like the first job for someone, someone's like 15 and they've got a job at McDonald's, right? And they're getting paid $12 an hour or whatever measly rate McDonald's pay you now. Um, you can easily find something else to supplement your income, particularly with the internet um, and everything that's going on. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, can become influencers and things like that. That's definitely like one thing to do. But the other thing that the internet's good for is, you know, if you have a particular talent, might be like drawing or, or art or um, something like that, you can easily sell your products online and make a little bit of extra money. So that's something I think people need to think about a little bit more Um, outside of Mandy, what is something that each of you are curious about? Oh, this is a good one. Um, I guess one thing that I'm pretty interested in, and you might have, uh, audiences, the audience of Mandy might've picked this up, um, based on our content is, uh, aviation and the airline industry. Uh, I think it's a, a really interesting space and I'd love to one day get my private pilot's license. Um, so that's something I'm kind of curious about. And it's potentially informing our weekly segment, Mandy Memo, uh, a, a, a bit much, a bit, uh, it, it, aviation is over-indexed in the Mandy Memo. <laughs> Look out for the aviation Easter eggs. <laughs> Bab, Ben? Um, oh, I guess when it comes to curiosity, I'm a bit, my, um, I'm naturally a very curious person to the point where when people ask me what my passion is, um, I say curiosity, um, passionately curious. That's I think such that's a good answer. By, um, <laughs> people are like, what do you um, do? And I'm just like some generic answer and Babs is out there just romancing the world <laughs> oh, guys I'm passionately curious that's such a good Babs is a learner I, I need to come up with something like that there's such a good way to answer the question <laughs> it's I don't know it's it's one of those things where I find like, I know it sounds silly but I find everything interesting I've and I think that's kind of where you know why I've been able to develop such a broad range of skills and and pieces of knowledge um I mean I'm great to have it trivia because there's just random things that stood up in my head and I don't know why they live there but um it's a very <laughs> it's a very generalist um view but I mean at, at the very moment um, one thing I am kind of curious about, and this isn't a very interesting topic, but 
I'm very curious to see how all this working from home stuff um, develops because there's, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of reports going around regarding, you know, it's the end of the, the big office and, um, you know, from now on, people are going to be working from home, you know, four days a week and going into the office one day a week. And while I see, you know, it, it makes sense on paper, everything about it, you know, it saves environment, it saves costs, it, there's so many benefits around it. You know, people are happier working close to home. When I look at company, you know, the company that I work for and when I look at, say, you know, what Mandy, when we do come to that decision, whether we, when, you know, whether we go into an office space or stay remote, I just don't see it, this whole working from home thing working as they predicted. Um, I mean, the reason you kind of want to go into work is because it's a social um it's it's social so I don't know the answer and I I and that's I guess where I'm curious about right now is to see what will actually happen you know what's predicted versus what's socially kind of the the outcome oh, um, and that's a very interesting Topic. I know. I, I think sorry, it's really good. There's so that much. Is my curiosity I, I, of the, the week. way I see it, I think it might be like a, a split between extroverts and introverts or something like that. There'll definitely be extroverts at early days. They're like, yeah, let's work from home. It'll be great. And then after like two weeks, they'll be like, I'm going to crawl up the walls. I'm so bored um, because they just miss the, you know, the lunchroom discussions, the water cooler chat, all yeah. of that. I, I think it's a great one and really topical with everything that's going on in the world. Um, I know Twitter this morning just released a press statement saying that they're going to allow all of their staff that are remote at the moment to continue working from home permanently if they wish. So that's really interesting. Um, and then I think the the flow on from that as well is if huge amounts of people choose to stay at home permanently, um, is there a big shift in the uh, in the commercial real estate market? Does office space, you know, become worthless because it's less available sorry more available i should say um because everyone's trying to downsize their um downsize their offices with their new remote work remote workforces i should say well that's that's it right and and one um discussion that i know is um is being thrown around out of many um options on the table is kind of um the company i'm referring to where it's an education a uh, global education business doing online degrees and MBAs and whatnot um, is is that idea of is there you know a storefront office where there's kind of that token you know key staff maybe five or six staff that sit there in this um, storefront where people can actually go into and interact with us and then everyone else kind of works from home and then on maybe on a Friday afternoon everyone comes into this office space and spends the afternoon there that's um you know one of hundreds of different options um amongst flexible learning of flexible workspaces and you know virtual hot desks and all the rest of it but yeah i'm very very curious to see how it actually pans out from a all right ben um, now it's time to land the plane perspective. the team figuratively <laughs> 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 yeah, I've been. Joey's uh, jealous. <laughs> I've been completely outclassed by those two answers. It's always questions like these always make me realize how basic and boring I am. But um, 
I, I think to steal a little bit of Babs's answer, I do see myself as like I'm I'm spontaneously curious, but in such a way that I'll just go find the answer myself, and therefore I'll no longer be curious about it. Um, but to give an example of something that came up today and is kind of relevant to me, because I'm as Babs and Joey know, I'm quite into my soccer and just sport in general. But um, there's a bit of a debate going on in terms of with everyone in lockdown currently and, you know, using the parks and recreational spaces for their own, you know, exercise. But with the phase of community sport coming back in, who who gets these facilities back? Um, you know, do, do does everyone out walking their dogs and playing ball get to do that? Or do the sporting teams get to come back and take the whole oval for their footy or soccer training? Um, and, and, and I bring it up because it's something that we don't, we just haven't been in this situation before. We haven't really had to throw up these sorts of questions or even consider these possibilities um, due to just never being in these circumstances. Um, it, and it just, just more broadly that these questions that we're facing questions that we've never had to face before. And what's difficult about that is that answers, you know, potential answers don't have precedence that you, you just can't, the easy thing with everything else is you say, well, what have we done before? And so you, you apply that. But with this, will people accept the new norm? Will there be a new norm? Um, I just I just like to think about those sorts of things. Um, and I tend to follow myself down a rabbit hole on the online research that lets me do it and um, hopefully find an answer. <laughs> and sometimes I don't. And that's when it sticks in my head for days and I can't sleep. So that's that's a little rundown of my mind and how my life works. And then we usually turn it into a Mandy post. I think you guys have covered some great things there, and it's been um, it's been really great chatting to all of you. Um, where can our listeners find Mandy online? We are currently on Instagram at underscore Mandy underscore Money. And we are also launching our new, exciting, and sexy, hopefully, website in about two weeks at spicy at www.mandymoney.com. Amazing. Well, I will link both of those in the show notes for anyone um, that wants to jump on and have a look at um, some memes sprinkled with um, some financial literacy in there as well, or maybe the other way around. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, thanks again for coming on. It's been great. Um, it's been great to chat, <laughs> and I think we've touched on some um, some really good things here today. Um, I think people will want to run across and jump on Mandy and see what you guys are doing. And I think it's like I said before. I think it's a really um, it's a really great mission you've got. Um, and I wish you all of the success. Um, and I look forward to speaking um, speaking soon again. Thanks so much, Jack. That was brilliant. Thank you for tuning in to Radio by Jack Roberts. We look forward to bringing you another episode next Monday at 7pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. Until then, you can always subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or anywhere you get your podcasts. If you'd like to keep up to date with radio, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Radio by Jack Roberts. You can keep in touch with me on Instagram at jackroberts8 or just type in Jack Roberts on LinkedIn.